The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Andy, thanks for joining us today, my friend. Thank you so much for having me here, Kwame. Yeah, it is our pleasure. So how would you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Thank you. I'm delighted to. Uh, I'm Andy Prisco. I'm the founder of Jumpstart Mastery. Uh, Jumpstart Mastery is an epistemic environment, a learning environment for uh, our partners in public safety, behavioral health, and private enterprise in developing consciousness, awareness, and skills in crisis de-escalation. Um, uh, up until I started Jumpstart Mastery last year, I have a long history in psychiatric care and services in the forensic environment where mental health and the justice system overlap with one another. Um, generally that's expressed, uh, through unfortunate events that can occur in the lives of people where there's some kind of, uh, felony event and mental illness, uh, has been determined to, um, be potentially participant in that event that needs to be evaluated. If it is involved, uh, there are a series of laws and actions and procedures that follow people who find themselves in that system. And in many cases, uh, uh, people served in forensic care systems are there involuntarily and they're in maximum security environments. And just by virtue of the math, bringing people together under those conditions can bring about very serious episodes of anger, aggression, and violence. And that's where I've spent, you know, a considerable amount of time over the last 20 years. And um, coming into the the common space uh, uh, that we're in, learning about delightful people like <clears throat> you and other members like Julia Ewart and, uh, and others in ANI and uh, and collaborating with people uh, at the organizational levels in in mental health and government um, has just been a delightful experience for me in just sharing what we have come to learn in our space and to collaborate. So in that way, I, I feel so very um, uh, uh, blessed to have been asked to come and just talk about a little bit of what we do and, and to share with you. So thank you. 
Oh, it's our pleasure. Listen, when uh, when Julia York tells me to do something, I just do it. You know, so if, he's, <laughs> so if she says you're good, then you're good. That was my entire yeah. vetting process. So, so that was good. Well, yeah. so t- today in this episode, it's going to be a fun one because we're going to talk about what to do in these difficult conversations when something mm. unexpected happens. And after you you told us about your your background, I feel like I would be doing the audience a disservice if I didn't give you space to tell a story here. Because when you think about all of the work that you did in the past, what is one story that you think encapsulates kind of the high points of what it is that you do? Uh, for the audience. Okay. Um, uh, in a psychiatric care and services setting, when people get angry or present aggression or are violent, um, this is also true in being a parent when our kids do that, or if you're a provider in the youth and family environment and people serve do that, we have to maintain relationship with people after that event. We don't get to go away or turf the relationship to someone else. So very frequently, I had to engage with people who were diagnosed with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder or bipolar disorder and uh, uh, charged with some kind of felony. And while they were either trying to have their competency restored so they could assist their attorney in their defense or if they were satisfying a long-term sentence under the criminal code in a psychiatric setting, um, uh, we had responsibility to, even after they presented assaultive behavior, to um, assist this person on a path toward recovery. Um, So theoretically on that basis, we could be fighting with the same people every day and have to go back to work and provide services to the same person. And to do that in a way that was in alignment with the very best values of care and services, and particularly in honor of the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. How do you do that when someone wants to spit on you every day or throw their human waste at you, or they're waiting for an opportunity to bludgeon you with a bunch of AA batteries in a sock that they've taken from the remote control? every day and it wasn't detected and then how do you lead someone from that state to a vision that they could have a life beyond where they are and and have um the freedom that they from their perspective had prior to arriving um there was an occasion where uh, a person served in a place that I worked had attempted to set fire to uh, uh, his room by taking a paper clip, putting it in an outlet, creating an arc, getting that to start the vinyl mattress that he would sleep on. Smoke filled the entire congregate care area. We had to move this person to a different area after evacuating a number of people because he was able to successfully start the fire. When we moved him, a person who was monitoring him fell asleep. He took the magnetic key card off of that person, moved through two magnetic locks to a non-patient care area, and barricaded himself in a room with a knife taped to a crutch that was taken from the staff break room and then surrounded himself with bleach ammonia and other chemicals and waited 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Now I knew this guy. I knew him. So re- relationship um, drove some initial decisions by our security leadership. I got a phone call. <clears throat> hey, so-and-so has barricaded himself in a room. This is what's happened. Um, there's armored vehicles here and people with armor and rifles and less lethal. And this is a psychiatric care and services setting. This is going to freak out hundreds of people. Can you come get so-and-so out of this room? Okay. So I, <laughs> so I, I came down and I'm the only guy. Now my background Kwame is fire EMS, right? So there's equipment that we use and we have a different worldview than, than, our law enforcement partners, but we know that we need each other and we work together. And when I show up, I'm there as an employee. I'm not there as a firefighter, but they all have gas masks. They all have breathing apparatus. And I'm the only guy in the hot zone that doesn't. So, you know, I'm, and meanwhile, they're trying to install cameras into the room where he is so they can see him. And um, I'm like, Hey guys, is, is there a reason I can't get a BA? Can I, can I get a mask too? If he's going to create chlorine gas or am I just got to be the guy that talks and I don't get it. So they all laughed and chuckled and, and I kind of chuckled, but I had work to do. So the short version is um, the crisis negotiator from the joint Metro SWAT team was there and was wonderfully collaborative saying, uh, Andy, do you have rapport with this person? I do. And we also have very, methodological principles that we use in psychiatric care and services de-escalation i'd love to be able to try he said go ahead wonderful so um i had uh, a couple of officers in armor and shields walk up with me to the door i stood behind them and essentially because in in the interest of time i don't want to get too deep in the weeds but using principles of validation referring to shared values, proposing alternatives, and if necessary, sequencing. If we had to explain negative consequences, if I had to say so-and-so, if you continue this course of action, here's how the dynamic entry is going to be bad for you and potentially bad for us. However, if you cooperate with me and do these other things, here are the advantages that that can provide everybody. When we sequence negative consequences followed by positive consequences. That's deliberate. We do that to render influence. The short version, Kwame, is we were able to get this person to uh, stop what they were doing, dismantle the barricade, dismantle the chemical threat, dismantle the fire threat, put down the force multiplier of the crutch and the knife, and I was able to walk this person to a patrol car and move them on to the next stage in, in the model. Um, the reason that this is important is because I was not a police officer when I did this. I was working in psychiatric care and services as a crisis responder, and we collaborated with the police department to bring that event to a close. That event started the psychiatric emergency response team that I founded here in the Pacific Northwest, and that's the basis of that legislatively funded program today was that event. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, that is my uh, official 
uh, summary. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. And I, I think it's a, a, just a great example of how these techniques that we're going to talk about today are applicable in the most difficult of circumstances. And one of the yeah. reasons I wanted to give you an opportunity to share that is because, uh, well, first, it would be entertaining. I think so, right? And then yeah, it would be- That story always is. It, it always is. Man. And then the other one is it, it just highlights the skills utilized under duress and for the majority of people who are listening to this podcast or watching on youtube however you want to consume it um you're probably not dealing with stakes that high not right. you're probably not dealing with um like impending doom of some sort and so right. the thing is yes you have agency in these situations you have an impact you can have an impact and a lot of times we flippantly blame the other side and we throw around the term crazy. Oh, this person's crazy. I can't right. ha negotiate with them. I, they're unreasonable, irrational, those type of things. Okay, right. to, to please listen to that story and then tell me why you cannot have a positive impact on the outcome right. of the conversation. Right. So, right. So, yes, Brilliantly articulated, that. Kwame. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. The, the, the whole notion that um, we abdicate our duty to influence when someone else presents anger, aggression, and violence, arguably is is one of the fundamental um, causes of the uptick that we're seeing in so many aversive events out in community. And I think that you and I have a very deep shared interest in supporting people in developing these competencies. I had to do it professionally for... Um, uh, a state government governor's cabinet agency in a very, very specific area of service. But the principles apply. The principles, things that you and I throw around as common everyday language, um, uh, minimal encouragers, para language, uh, validation, reflection statements, reflecting the unverbalized, articulating the unverbalized, motivational interview, these things that we throw around. Um, I, I, I do think we have a great opportunity in our shared negotiation space for all of us to get our definitions clear and for all of us to learn the way that each of us are playing the music. How did you voice that chord? on the guitar how did you voice that chord on the piano oh but that's still a b major seven so you still have the third the fifth the seventh and the root yeah but i just voiced it this way oh okay so i mean we have this great opportunity to really understand hey what you're calling this we're calling this you use that principle too yeah we use that principle oh great okay so you know we're using that principle under these high stake circumstances well we use that principle at the negotiation table when there are millions of dollars on the line. Wow. What can you, what can I learn from you? What can you learn from me? That's, that's what I think we're starting Kwame people like you and me and Julia and Scott Tillema and Andy Young and Jack and Gary and all these people who are out there sharing this stuff. We all have this great interest in all of us coming together about it. And that to me is the most exciting thing that's happening right now in our space. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. 
Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 100%. I, I think about it in terms of intellectual cross-training. And that's why we have the, the show called Negotiate Anything. So we have people with all sorts of different backgrounds sharing the skills that work. And then you realize, wait a second, that worked in that situation. I can see very clearly how it could work in this situation, too. And so we, we all learn together. And I, I think the more of us that do this, the, the better off the world would be. Here, here. And, and that that's so true. And when you look at the guests that you have, you've, you've been at this for a while. I mean, Negotiate Anything's been around for how many years now? Six years now. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, tremendous guests, vast backgrounds, um, vast knowledge bases and experience and you know to some extent Kwame you you've, you've been a pioneer in this phenomena that I'm describing um, of developing community around these ideas and um, you know during our our green room talk I had mentioned I'm, I'm getting calls now from now that I'm in the the professional training space and I'm not working for the man anymore as it were and I'm doing my own thing right um, I get calls now from organizations I never would have expected airlines that have to deal with the three most common occurrences in, in people getting dragged off planes. Number one, drunk. Number two, won't keep their mask on. Number three, people transient or homeless in the terminal. Those three events befall our agents in air travel more than any other. And those events drive calls to complaint lines more than any other. And um, equipping personnel in managing those events in a way where we can reduce organizational embarrassment, reduce negative outcomes, and enhance customer service and customer appreciation, and frankly, staff wellness. If we, in, if we can support people who have the responsibility to engage these events, with meaningful training and competencies, we impact retention, we impact morale. Our, our air travel partners are burning out. Our, um, our youth and family service organizations who are now capturing more and more work from our 
government systems of care and services. We're going to we're seeing it across the nation, more and more private youth and family and behavioral health organizations are getting money to do this work because the government systems are going to start divesting. Those folks need the support to maintain the morale, maintain the the, the wellness features of their employment environment. Um, in Orange County, California, tremendous amount of work going on with uh, healthcare organizations stepping into the response space for people living with houselessness and homelessness and polysubstance issues and mental illness. And public safety is not is doing that less and less or less and less individually. Now they're collaborating. Now people who are not sworn officers are responding to the encampments, responding to the communities, responding to the calls to the emergency response system. And they need the competencies to do that. And I feel very blessed to be able to provide those as a function of the space that we developed them in, which was very, very violent, very high stakes all the time, every day. And then somewhere in between there, you had to maintain a relationship with people after these events. So we got very good at that. Yeah. Oh, this is great. And I think, Andy, this gives us an awesome opportunity to segue into the our our focus for today, which is the how we deal with the unexpected in these situations. Yeah. Because what we'll realize the more you get into these difficult conversations, the the more you'll realize that you cannot perfectly script them. It's it's just not possible. Every conversation will have a unique um, fingerprint. And if you go in too rigidly, um, then you're not going to be flexible enough to take advantage of these opportunities because that's really what it is. The unexpected presents you with opportunities. And if you see it as such, then you'll be able to take advantage of said opportunities. But if you see it as a problem, like I wish they would just do what I thought they would do. <laughs> right, right. Then, then you're going to right. run into trouble. And when so- are they going to rediscover my intelligence? You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> or or discover it for the first time? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Or discover it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, this is good. So let's let's talk about that for a second. So when we think about handling the unexpected in these difficult conversations, what does that look like when it's done well? Um, you know, whether it's, um, Bruce Lee was probably the biggest, um, embodiment of this idea that I'd like to share. Bruce was a student and devotee of all the arts. His brother was the Hong Kong fencing champion. He immersed himself into fencing. Um, when he encountered physical techniques that were unusual to him, He immersed himself in the school that those techniques were born in, particularly like wrestling and and ground fighting. Bruce was a devotee of all the arts, but when the fight came, um, Bruce forgot all of it and allowed his um, personal expression, his individual expression to be the compass of his um, course of action. In the negotiation space, we all have hundreds of techniques that we use and labels that we've given those techniques. But I will say that what we know from um, biology and neurophysiology and schools of thought like polyvagal theory from Dr. Stephen Porges, we know that 
when someone presents something unexpected, that does something biologically in the limbic system. And when that occurs, when we are in triggered states, our capacity to engage in diversity of thought and expression is diminished. So if I were presented someone who is angry or proposing potential assault or worse, the first idea that I would anchor myself in would be validation. And I use that word to describe an idea. The idea is to confer the notion that that other person is seen, heard, and understood. Why do I want to do that? Well, if they're already in that state, and we know, it's pretty common language now, that limbic system activation means fight-flight, I don't want to be perceived as a threat. So I have to begin to diffuse any idea that I am one. And the way that I do that is by aligning myself with their experience of me in a way where I reframe any idea that they have that I'm a threat. I have to use minimal encouragers, paralanguage, reflection statements, articulating the unverbalized, demonstrating curiosity, physically paying attention to confer the notion that they're seen, heard, and understood. A lot of people get stuck there. So I did all the validation. I let them know I understood. Now what? Now I have to leverage that. I have to use that to get to collaboration. Gary Nesner expressed this in the behavioral change stairway model. In psychiatric care and services, we express it differently. In social learning psychology, we express it differently. In the boardroom, you probably have a model. But at the end of the day, the model is we have to gain relationship to leverage it. How do you leverage it? when someone presents unexpected anger, aggression, or violence. We begin to reframe the relationship. This isn't about me versus you. This is about us and a shared value system, us and a law, us and a rule. And then we propose alternatives. If we try this, here's how it may work out. The neurobiological step that occurs in between referring to a law and proposing a choice is someone has to engage their diversity of thought and expression. So you're influencing someone to get out of their limbic state and get into what we would describe as higher cortical functions or evolved brain function. We're deliberately jump-starting that like we're behavioral AEDs, like we have the paddles We're waiting for our opportunity. We're trying to shock someone's evolved brain into diversity of thought or expression. We do that sequentially with validation, referral to big ideas that are shared, proposing and describing how it serves all of us. When resistance is presented, we go back to validation and we run it again. And generally speaking, one of two things happens. They either engage in a very collaborative process, or they go along with us resisted, somewhat resistant, but it's but there wasn't a fight to get there. There wasn't a, uh, a physical encounter. There wasn't a use of force. There was ultimately cooperation, even if they're irritated about it. That's generally the outcome. And I'm not saying it works every single time and we never have to go to these extremes, but the idea here is that in order to do all of that, I have to be self-regulated. 
If I allow myself to get triggered, if I allow that thing that someone just said to get to me, I'm going to lose my own capacity for diversity of thought or expression. So I'm not going to be able to think through this problem. So if you're being heavy handed with me across the negotiation table and I'm feeling I'm going to lose something, loss, disrespect, shame, abandoned, uh, or uh, that some kind of unfairness or injustice is going to befall me. I have responsibilities in that millisecond to suspend reactivity to those things so I can stay focused on what I got to do. And the hardest job in our space, Kwame, is self-regulation. It's not these techniques and these things we do to influence people. It's how do we avoid being triggered when someone spits on you, tells you to go F yourself, or in a far more sophisticated way, begins to tell you how they're going to put you out of business. And <laughs> right, and you and you're going to have to engage this person in a way where you're going to render influence. So we have very specific practical training and modules that run people through those sequential thinking and speaking activities to render influence. So so if someone and I'll be extreme in in the humorous for a moment. If if someone pointed an arrow at me from a bow and said, you have five seconds to describe how you would meet someone when they're presenting something unexpected and you have to influence it. First thing I'm going to do is issue validation. Then I'm going to refer to a shared value policy rule or law. Then I'm going to propose a choice and then I'm going to describe how it serves them. Okay, and then he put the bow down. That's That's how I would do that. <laughs> wow that, what a great summary this is great okay so so here let me summarize it in general here so it sounds like just summarizing this when we're presented with these challenges when somebody's highly emotional the first challenge is essentially psychological but it starts within ourselves too because if yes. we're triggered we're not going to be able to do what it takes the yes brother techniques right. that you mentioned they're not difficult to understand they're difficult to execute because you will likely be triggered at that set that that point brilliant so before we start talking about mastering somebody else's emotions we have to learn how to master our own that's one big takeaway and then we often have to recognize that too the person is not in a psychological or emotional state where they can even receive our message because introducing data being right being logical those were things that you didn't say but those are things that we often refer to resort to initially and they do not help when somebody's in a triggered state so we have to accept the fact that they're not in the right mental state and our first order of business is to get them into the correct mental state and so really what we're doing is not focusing on overcoming barriers we are diminishing barriers to persuasion and connection to make the rest of the conversation easier 100 percent, 100 percent, right we and I would express it differently, but same. We bring order to someone's chaos in a way they don't even know we're doing. When they're in that state of emotional dysregulation or proneness to dis discontrol, there any anyone's ability to order or rank order or organize things is incredibly diminished. Sequencing thoughts and statements brings order to someone's chaos. And at once, which is in my space, Kwame, we have an agenda to drive. We have to change something to prevent something bad from happening. At the at the boardroom table, 
you have a chess game of with master players and everybody's there looking five, six, seven moves ahead. Um, I'd even say, I, I'd even like if I sat at that table with you, I'd be like the guy who sat next to you and and said, Kwame, I am way over my head. I'm going to watch you and shut my mouth because I'm my my outcome is 60 seconds away, 120 seconds away. It has the potential to be very serious, life or death, but it's it's right it's right around the corner. You're you're looking at the it's almost like you have a celestial navigation map <laughs> and you're plotting your way through the universe with the use of these principles. That's a high order chess game that uses the same principles. You would just adapt the thinking to that environment. Um, but you summed it up beautifully. We bring order to someone's discontrol. We bring ordered thinking to someone's chaos. And it can happen in the negotiation table. It could happen on the street. It can happen in the ER. It can happen uh, in the post office. It, can, it happens all over the place. And any good negotiator is doing that, is bringing structure and order to someone's uh, chaos when they're dealing with these unexpected moments, like you said. Absolutely. Oh, this is good. This is really good. And so I know a lot of people are listening and saying, man, I like that Andy guy. I wonder how to get in touch with him. So before you go, let the listeners know again about your company and how they can get in touch with you. You're so good. Um, uh, uh, first, I have a profile on LinkedIn, uh, Andy Prisco. Um Feel free to look me up and uh, send a, a connection request or a follow, and I'll do the same with you. Um, the name of my organization is Jumpstart Mastery. The website is jumpstartmastery.com. When you get there, uh, you'll see that there are master classes that are available for purchase. But more importantly, you'll have access to the epistemic environment, the learning environment. You can enter that environment for free using your LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google profile. It's on Mighty Networks, and you're in. And you're in uh, in an environment with hundreds of people in a sh- with a shared interest, people from public safety, behavioral health, and private enterprise. If you're a threat manager with a big company, a risk manager, if you're a uh, training administrator, if you're a patrol officer, if you're a registered nurse, people are all coming together to learn more about crisis de-escalation in this space. There's a free access level. There's a subscription level that gives you access to weekly trainings every week. I have uh, people uh, in the space delivering uh, modules of training to raise awareness and measure skills. And uh, we learn and grow together. And it's uh, it's been a delightful place to be. I hope to see you there. This is great. Andy, thank you again, my friend. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Kwame. This has been super delightful. And I look forward to more conversations with you. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get 
get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.